Once upon a time, a special coffee brand was born, Enchant Coffee. They believe that a good brew should be part of every good story. Enchant Coffee is a gourmet, fairy tale themed coffee company that offers flavors like Mad Tea Party, Potion of the Sea Witch, The Sleeping Curse, and The Enchanted Bean. Each is a unique blend of 100% Arabica coffee. Sign up for the newsletter at EnchantCoffee.com to receive 10% off your first order. EnchantCoffee.com. Add some magic to your morning. Hello and welcome to the Folklore Podcast. I'm Mark Norman, folklore researcher and author. It was around the year 450 BC that the ancient Greeks first postulated the idea that everything around us in the natural world was made up of four main elements. Earth, air, fire and water. Aristotle broadly agreed and developed the idea further. For the next couple of millennia, everything worked with this concept. Combine these four elements in various ways and you got stuff. That is, physical stuff. But then also personal stuff too, because Hippocrates used the elements as a basis for his description of the body's humours, detailing how they needed to be in balance for good physical and mental well-being. And then, that pesky science came along and reworked these theories. It gave them good scientific names. Solids, liquids, gases and plasma. But if you stop and think about it, these are not so different from the original four elements. If you follow any witchcraft paths, or identify as pagan in some way, or undertake any one of a number of other practices, then you will undoubtedly consider yourself in tune not only with the physical, but also the metaphysical workings of the elements. You may use them in ritual, or you may just combine them in everyday life in some other way. And this is what we're exploring in today's episode of the podcast with our guest, Deborah Lipp. Deborah is a practitioner who was initiated into the Gardnerian Wiccan tradition in the 1980s. Since then, she's been teaching various aspects of magic and the occult, and has written extensively on the subject as well as one random title on the James Bond universe. It's good to have a diversion occasionally. Deborah recently updated her book The Way of Four, which examines the elements in great detail, not only from the point of view of magical practices, but also from their connections with daily life. Here's Deborah in an interview that was recorded earlier this year. Hi, this is Hilary Wilson here for the Folklore Podcast. I am here today with Deborah Lipp who's been a teacher of Wicca, magic, and the occult for over 30 years. Her most recent books are Bending the Binary, The Beginner's Guide to the Occult, and The Ultimate James Bond Fan Book. She has appeared on Coast to Coast AM, A&E Specials, and The New York Times. The author of The Way of Four, which is now being released in Update Edition through Crossroad Books, we are very happy to have you here today, Deborah. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So the book was first published back in 2004, I believe. Yep. And this is a new updated edition, a very beautiful edition, I have to say. Um, A lot's changed since 2004. 
I've, I've tried to accommodate a lot of changes. Um, it's, you know, for one thing I went through and I cleaned all the pronouns, right? I, I, um, now in all my writing, I use a singular they, which nobody was doing in 2004. And I wanted to be both modern and inclusive and um, welcoming. I had to go through and clean any reference to technology because it was all out of date. Oh, there was stuff about unplugging your phone and um, about VHS and cassette tapes and all sorts of just stuff that doesn't exist anymore. And so I had to clean that. And I had to look at every reference, every um, referral to a website and, and do all of that. Plus just, um, I hope in 20 years, I've become a better writer. <laughs> I hope. So, you know, just cleaning it and making it, um, well, I hope it's better written than it was 20 years ago. I think I was pretty good then, you know, um, yeah. but, but I, I wanted it to be fresh. I wanted it to be accessible and I wanted it to make sense today. Yeah, I had seen a lot of references to this book um, prior to even the new edition being released. And I was surprised that not a lot of books, you know, prior to the release of The Way of Four had dealt with the elements, you know, within the nature of the occult. It seemed like, in my mind, we had just always been talking about them in some way. You know, so to see that you were the originator of that was quite surprising. I actually think I was the first. I certainly didn't have any any books on my shelf mm -hmm. on the subject. And yet we all talk about the elements all the time. Yeah. You, can't, you can't talk about the occult without talking about the elements. You can't talk about astrology or tarot or alchemy or the golden dawn or just really anything that we do as occultists or even the new age or hermetics or Gnosticism or any of the, the meditation practices, everything touches on the four elements, everything in the West anyway. Yeah. And, and yet there was no textbook of it. There was no um, sort of in-depth exploration of everything that the elements might mean. Yeah. And you did an extremely thorough job um, covering them in this book. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the way that you approach the subject? Well, it's funny. In in 2000, up until 2000, I had been running a coven. Mm -hmm. And um, the coven blew up because people are human beings and, you know, these things happen. Yeah. And um, I had always wanted to write a book. And... I all of a sudden had this time on my hand and this urge to discuss the occult and no people around to discuss it with anymore and this urge to teach. And so I wrote the elements of ritual. That was my first book. And that was mm -hmm. about Wicca. And then I just, and I just kept talking about the elements in elements of ritual as a sort of an aside, like here's the elements and we're going to use them as a frame in this book. And then I realized I had so much to say about the elements and I just rolled right into the way of four. Like the two books were written back to back pretty much without a break. Oh, that's when the spirit takes you, right? It was so, the, the subject is so interesting to me and the subject is so 
compelling to me. When I teach classes on the occult, like I used to teach with, you know, as a single mother with a kid at home and a full-time job and people coming over to take classes. And sometimes I was not prepared with class material. Go figure. And I would just say, well, let's talk about the elements. And it was different every time. And it was interesting every time. So I knew that there was this exciting sort of boiling pot of interesting stew with the four elements that nobody was really talking about. So I just started writing. Yeah. It's always been interesting to me because it is such a, you know, an important piece of, you know, putting together um, an altar, you know, representing the different elements, you know, you want to be able to address them. You want to be able to think about them, but then I hadn't really seen anything until reading your book about incorporating them into your everyday life and trying to really work with that natural balance. Um, and you did an excellent job of explaining how to incorporate it into your everyday life. Um, I particularly love the section of perfumes. Um, I've seen more and more interest in scents with uh, different occultist perfumeries opening up. Um, Hexanoct comes immediately to mind just because I absolutely love them. Yeah, so I thought that was just such a brilliant idea. Thank you. I, I, you know, part of it was just that um, I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey, mm -hmm. which I think is just a very ordinary sort of upbringing. Lots of people grew up in various suburban areas and went to malls and, um, you know, did, took the bus or drove in a car. And, and yet we pick up these books on, on, um, Wicca and paganism that sort of assume that we're all romping in the woods. Yes. I like the woods. They're delightful, but I, I'm, I don't think that that's where most of us originate. I mean, I, you know, the perfume came from like going to the mall, really like we can have ordinary lives and be regular people and be in the occult. And all of that can happen at the same time. And I don't still see a lot of writers incorporating that. You almost feel shamed for, you know, driving a car instead of hiking. Um, that's something that came up in a conversation that I had had with a lady called Elise Marie as well. Um, she went by the beauty witch and, you know, she would incorporate into her magical practice uh, different, you know, care products, you know, lotions, uh, makeup, things like that. And I was thinking about that when I was reading through the perfume section and the clothing section and how much of how we present ourselves to the world, um, how much work goes into that, you know, just as a person and how often people are kind of shamed almost for taking an interest in it. But that can be part of magical practice. You know, that can be something that, you know, we're using, you know, essentially. Uh, listen, it's, first of all, it's personal. It's you looking yeah. in the mirror. Otherwise, we wouldn't all fuss about our underwear. You know, we're, sometimes we're, we have partners, but sometimes we are the only person who sees it. And yet it's yeah. important, right? It is. Um, but also, I mean, I, one of my guilty pleasures has always been watching shows like What Not to Wear. <laughs> And I love that. I, I love it. And I love the idea of transforming 
the inside by using the outside. I love the idea that we can be honest about the fact that we are judgy. We look at people and we, we perceive them based on what they look like mm-hmm. um, and what they smell like and everything else. Um, and we can control that. And we can, by controlling it, we can, we can have an impact on ourselves and we can have an impact on the people around us, which in turn has an impact on ourselves. And I think that there has been, well, or is starting to be more of a focus on self-care as a form of magical practice. And that's something that I really think has been neglected for you know, quite a while because there's so much focus on the spirit without the flesh being part of the spirit. You know, and I'm a super earthy person and I, I love that stuff. I think that, I mean, self-care as a catchphrase didn't even exist in 2004 yeah. when I wrote the book, but I have not just the clothing and the perfumes, but like for fire, I have beauty treatments, uh, self-care beauty treatments for each element. So there, there is nothing like a, a, a hot wax foot bath. That is that is everything. That is that feels good. It's good for your skin. It's warming. You come home from work on a winter day and you stick your icy cold feet into hot wax. There is just nothing like it. And it just puts you right in touch with the fire of your own body, it brings the fire back to your body when you're when you're cold and, and miserable and not feeling it. And, you know, salt scrub is an obvious earth treatment as is massage. So, so, you know, something for something for each element so that you're actually feeling it in and on your body. You're sort of earthing all four elements. Yeah. And there was a focus on being able to balance the elements within yourself. Um, There are actually quizzes in the book and, you know, ways that you can kind of figure out, you know, what your own elemental balance is. So you can see, where to focus to put yourself in better balance. It's funny how people really mostly just rely on their astrology. Yeah. And that isn't always what you're manifesting in that moment. I have a very dear friend whom I adore. So I I don't, I, I know what this is about to sound like, but he is a Capricorn and he has, he's, he's, stabilized now but he is the flakiest most you know airy most disconnected from reality person you've ever met it's just like a butterfly walked into your apartment and you're grateful for the beauty of the butterfly but it's it's just like this visit from fairy it is not <laughs> grounded it is not anything you would imagine a capricorn to be now there are ways of course, my daughter is an astrologer. I'm I'm conversant with how effective and powerful astrology is. There are ways in which his his Capricorn manifests in totally Capricorn goaty, earthy ways. But there are there are things about his presentation and his his real life lived in the moment that is just not earthy at all. And, and those quizzes are designed to take that, that snapshot of your moment. Yeah. Um, you actually talked about a person who had read this book and was doing the quizzes and going through every single one of the exercises in it every year. 
which seems like an awful lot to do, but I can see how that would it, you know, help a person. <laughs> I, it, I mean, the nature exercises, I love them, but like she's doing, she is working this, this system more than I am and bless yeah. her. She's wonderful, but I'm not doing that. But <laughs> I mean, I do really want to stress balance. I think that people who think they are too much of something um, try to suppress it. Like people mm-hmm. with a temper problem, they're like, I have too much fire. I need to make my fire go away. And you can't make your fire go away. If you try to make your fire go away, you're creating a pressure cooker and your fire will explode. What you need is to discover ways to bring in the other elements and and think about your temper. Meditate on what your temper feels like when you're having a temper tantrum. Do you lack compassion for the other person? Then you should be bringing in water. Do you feel ungrounded and disconnected from everything except your anger? Then you need to bring in earth. So it's a very personal individual process um, to to finish that out. And if, if you feel completely irrational, bring in air. Air will help you think through what is it I'm angry about. Mm -hmm. You know, um, maybe you're reacting to past trauma. That's your water. So each of the elements can help you be with your fire in a healthier way. But that is my approach to, to balance. You know, that is my approach to living in balance. And I think that every, every spiritual system in history has at some level emphasized that we're supposed to be balanced. Uh, I thought that it was really helpful, um, the way that you put all of this. Because with other systems, um, like the Meyer-Briggs, I've seen the way of four compared to, it, it doesn't exactly explain how to work with what you are. You know, whereas your book, as you've just you know, put it, is explaining how to get yourself in better balance, rather than just this is what you're stuck with. Yeah, I, <laughs> I used to say, and again, I'm going to like, toot my my daughter's horn a little bit because I have said for many, many years, astrology is the most accurate, useless science in the occult because all it does is tell you, well, this is the case. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks. You know, now what do I do? And, and when she, she had of course heard me saying that because I'm repetitive um, since she was a little kid. So Um, when she became a professional astrologer, she really emphasized how to use astrology to deal with and course correct the situations that are inevitable. And that is something that a lot of astrologers don't do. It's something, I think tarot readers are often better at that that because because tarot tends to be more open-ended. I've seen a trend towards that more with tarot. But I, I think that if, if your occult arts, especially your divinatory arts, aren't giving you some solutions, why do you want to know the problem? Yeah, I just thought it was extremely you know, cool the way that you were framing it, because we need more of that. You know, we, I think that everybody right now could use a little bit of not necessarily course correction, but just you know, a little bit of help now and then. And this is a gentler way of doing that. Well, we've we've all just sort of been through this incredible trauma as a as a culture. 
as a world, we've been traumatized. We've been through lockdown. We've been through fear. We've been through deprivation. You know, um, I was talking to a rabbi actually uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she was saying, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we all just got bottomed out right? The bottom, right? There were toilet paper shortages. We didn't know if we were going to be able to buy food. We were at the bottom of meeting basic needs and climbing back up from the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy is a difficult process. You're not going to go right into spirit. You know, you have to work your way through um, how do I reform connections with humans? I think that's where we all are now is like, none of us know how to be in community anymore. We don't know how to just exist anymore, you know, in a large way. There's yeah, communication and, breakdowns across the board. From, from an elemental point of view, yeah, there's been an enormous shift in communication, which is air. There's been an enormous shift in relationship, which is water. And um, we got sort of drowned in earth. All we could think about was food, clothing and shelter and not dying. Yeah. And so... I think that this is a really good time for us to sort of go back to basics and reconnect with, you know, core understanding of self through, through occult means. Yeah. I had a conversation um, a while back for the podcast with, uh, was Liz Williams, I believe, um, who wrote a history of pagan England. Um, she's fairly heavily involved with uh, the Druidic community. And we were talking about how, you know, at the different meetings, there's been far more newcomers, you know, coming to, you know, different Grove meetings, you know, different Coven meetings, and a lot of people coming not from um, Abrahamic religions, which is something that, you know, is fairly common within pagan communities, but from atheism, you know, or backgrounds of just atheism or agnosticism. And I think... We were talking about how that is possibly because of the trauma that we've all been through, you know, that people are just looking for something to ground them and are finding better connections within, um, you know, a religious or spiritual background that is more grounded in nature, you know, that is more grounded with the elements as opposed to pure spirit. Yeah, well, and for a lot of people... I'm everybody I know who was running any kind of pagan or occult group was flooded with new applicants in like mid to late 2020 throughout 2021. And then as things started to open up, that dried up. But but during lockdown, people were just flooding everyone with like, can I join your group? I'm like, I don't really have a group right now. Right (laughs) now, my group is on Zoom. But um, I think that a lot of it is simply, well, the solutions that I've ever heard of don't work. So let me see what else there is. You know, there's a lot of it on uh, TikTok as well, you know, to the point that people have started talking about witch talk, which amuses me to bits. (laughs) You know, I, I, I'm a late boomer, right? They call generation Jones, right? Um, Because I don't, there's a lot of things I don't have in common with the baby boom, sort mm-hmm. of the, the last 10, 15 years of the baby booms, they sort of carve out and call it generation Jones. But um, I am at the tail end of the boom. So I, I do 
not want to mock young people. I want our cult community to continue to flourish and to continue to have fresh blood. And I don't want to make fun of young people, but oh my God, people, (laughs) this was happening in the eighties too. It's just that it's just that it didn't spread quite so fast. I mean, I can't tell you in like 1985, how many people I met who wanted to be witches so that they could look like Stevie Nicks and take the name Rhiannon, you know? So, so the, the, the <laughs> silliness on witch talk isn't new, but it is sometimes irritating to us old people. There are some good people on there. Um, I, I have some friends who are on there who are trying to correct some of the more egregious bits of misinformation. Um, but it's good to see the enthusiasm you know, that's yeah. there. Yeah, I'm not sure how seriously some people are taking it, but the fact that there is an interest and that, you know, some of that interest from, you know, across lockdown is being sustained, I think is a very good thing. And it is absolutely okay to stick your toe in the water, get your feet wet, decide this isn't for me and move on. That is a perfectly acceptable way of figuring it out. It's not like you have to be serious in order to explore. How do you know you're serious until you explore? Oh, yeah. And that can also help with some of the uh, paralyzing fear of getting started that I know a lot of people who are very interested in the occult get where they just keep reading and reading and reading without actually doing. Because they're stuck in air and they need to apply fire. Exactly. Which I... It's one of the reasons I love how many exercises there were in this book and just cool exercises too. As simple as, simple as just finding a tree, you know, watching the clouds. Making a little bit scarier dealing with the fire, but what can you well, do? And I'm super cautious. My fire exercises are super cautious. Have water, have a fire extinguisher. I appreciated I, that. <laughs> people get, people, my daughter is an Aries. People who are, Fire people get scary to the rest of us. I was I was um, camping with my best friend who is also an Aries, and she was taking my groceries out of the shopping bag so she could rip up the bag and use it for kindling. And I was like, "What are you doing? Stop burning my things! You can't just burn my stuff." But this is this is when. Fire sort of takes over. It be it. Fire has the particular quality of like zoning you out and just sort of taking over your mind, so that you're you don't even know you're playing with your book of matches or whatever. And and so it's just it it touches that wildness and 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 no thought space in us. So we have to think fire through carefully in advance before we play with fire Uh, my partner um, is an Aries as well and we have a fireplace in this house which was one of the things we were very excited about actually having um, particularly because the hedgehogs that we have they require a certain temperature control so living out in the middle of nowhere like we do if we lose power you know we need to have a heat source We've used the fireplace maybe three times, uh, every time during a power outage when we had to. And every single time he's been in control of it 
And it has been absolutely terrifying how quickly the fire responds to the point that we just don't want to use it because it just, this roaring fire in no time at all. I've seen nothing like it before. Wow. But, um, wow. You know, it was, you telling that story was making me think that, you know, it might be, it might be good to get a little bit of water there. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. A little water, a little earth. Yeah. I good. mean, <laughs> water it water can, because water douses fire um that can just create conflict like it can work better to just bring in earth now mm-hmm. you can still douse the fire with a bucket of sand right but yeah earth doesn't have that sort of feeling of we're natural enemies true and and that might be more effective because again there's a fire nature there that's very powerful and you don't want it to, you don't want to be hostile towards it. You just want to make sure that you're safe and that you're balanced. And I'm, I I really emphasize like that, the balance thing, we are made up of four elements. Every single one of us is made up of four elements. So one of the things that I'm doing in the book is, is saying that the balance that you're going to create is not like, finding some foreign air that you never had before you're going to look inside you and you're going to find air that's already there and that you're already in touch with and you're going to acknowledge it and bring it forward i love that about it um because like i said i don't think that's something that people have really considered and i like the idea of being in situations where you need to get out of your comfort zone you know just a little you try something new maybe it will work with you and you know maybe you'll discover these facets of yourself that you just haven't tended to you know in a long time um you know i you know i'm a taurus i'm very earthy you know from where i'm sat here i can see some bones that i've collected and i'm fiddling with this bit of you you know it's who i am um but, you know, there is a certain way that you feel when you're laid down on the ground and watching the clouds, you know, watching the flight of a bird, you know, that you can feel a little bit of something. And I mean, you've read some of my writings so you know how I get with that. You know, I just think it's I just think it's wonderful to be encouraging people to explore these things. And it, and it it will inform your occult life in in so many ways. I wrote the book in a way so that people who weren't necessarily pagan could read it. Like you could, especially you know, mainstream bookstores um, will carry a book like that, and they will stick it with the New Age stuff. Mm-hmm. And but that's perfectly okay. I will use a lot of examples from paganism because I'm pagan, but there yeah. is nothing in the book that requires you to be pagan, you can, you can just be interested in meditation and spiritual things. The four elements, after all, they exist in Judaism as, as right. They Kabbalah is, is, is Jewish. So um, they are part of anybody's Western spiritual tradition, honestly, and should be, the book is actually accessible to anyone. That was one of the things that I really liked about it was that even with your background in Wicca, I didn't like reading it. It didn't come off as a specifically Wicca book. It, know, it's it, not. And, and it's everything I took, 
for the first edition, I went through and I sort of cleaned out as much Wicca as I could. But then this time around, 20 years later, I was like, you know, it's still more Wiccan than I want it to be. And I cleaned it out more. I just wanted it to be open to whoever you are reading it. But you go into, um, in the very beginning of the book, uh, the history of the elements. And that's something that you just touched upon now, that the elements are in every tradition. You know, we all see that this is what makes up the world around us. Um, you know, the four elements with, you know, coming together to form the spirit within us. So it, it is truly accessible to everyone. And I think that your writing is beautifully accessible as well. Thank you. I, I um, don't talk down to people. I have, I have had editors not appreciate my vocabulary from time to time. I do, from, I do throw out the occasional big word, but I do think that one of the, as a writer, that one of the mistakes that many people make when they write is that they, they try to sound like they're writing, mm -hmm. you know, they don't, they don't just speak. When I'm writing, there's always an audience. I am always visualizing a human being or several human beings to whom I am speaking. Often I will have to go back and fix it because I will use first person plural. I'll say, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. <laughs> because to me, I'm in a relationship with the people, the imaginary people that are reading it. So I keep my writing very conversational, very playful sometimes, um, not everybody appreciates my sense of humor, but I think I'm hilarious. I think you're wonderful. Thank you. But um, th that was when, when you read Bending the Binary, I said, look, oh my God, Bending the Binary. I put Rachel Maddow in there. Hugh Grant is in there. <laughs> I, if, if a thing popped into my head, I just threw it in. I had written two books um, uh, before. The Way of Four, I actually did the, the revision of The Way of Four after bending the binary, even they came out just sort of simultaneously. Mm -hmm. um, but before that, I had written two books on spec. So they were written according to somebody else's um, outline structure. Mm -hmm. And that was fine. You know, I work with the editors on, there are things about this outline I don't want to write. And we, you know, we, we work together. Um, and I wouldn't have taken the contract if I didn't believe in the books. Yeah. But nonetheless, they were highly structured by someone else. And so that, those were, that was two books, right? And, and the book, the, the, that was the complete book of Wiccan Spells. And then it was the Beginner's Guide to the Occult. And the James Bond book was in there at the same time, which was a revision of an existing book. And which was highly structured around existing lists and movies yeah. and trivia and then I just I was ready to write Bending the Binary after having written these three highly formal books. And I just went nuts. I was like, I'm going to write whatever I feel like writing. I am going to write it my way. I'm going to make whatever jokes I want to make. I'm going to make whatever movie references I want to make. If it makes sense to me, if it's a part of the story I'm telling, it goes in there. Nobody's stopping me. It's my book, you know, <laughs> and I just, I just had a blast. So, you know, and, and I, I joke around with my readers. I mean, that to me is if they, if they were in the room and we were having a class, I'd be joking around with them. Yeah. It feels very personal that way. 
Um, and I, I find that extremely welcoming. It's not as uh, intimidating as a fair number of books on the occult can be because it is just a conversation. That, yeah. that, I'm glad that works because that's my effort. That's, yeah. that's the goal. I think it's definitely a benefit. And I, I want there to be more books like this that are welcoming to newcomers, but also something that somebody who's experienced and it can get a lot out of. I, I, let, I, like, I have been told that my gift is in finding that the spot that nobody has written in and, and writing something that is like, like elements of ritual. Nobody had actually taught anyone how step by step, minute by minute, what is it that a Wiccan ritual is? They just mm-hmm. said, here's your Wiccan ritual. And then blah, 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 all the other stuff that people say. And way of four, nobody had written a book that was just everything you ever imagined about the four elements that had never existed before. Um, so that's my skill. And I, and I, I write for a beginning intermediary, n- not I don't write for experts because I'm not that smart, you know. <laughs> but I write for um, people who aren't necessarily beginners. They might be beginners, but I, I write from experience and, and I can speak to experience. Suppose you've already read your first book on Wicca and you want to know more. Suppose So that's elements of ritual. Suppose you've read a book on astrology and a book on tarot and a book on this, and you don't understand, you you want to know more about the four elements. That's the way of four. You know, that that, um, sweet spot where you might really be very experienced, but there are things that nobody is telling you. That's what I want to, that's the pocket I want to sit in all the time. So what is it that you are most hoping that people who read this book will take away from it? I, I want them to be able to have a personal practice, whatever their personal practice is, that is enhanced by the understanding that the four elements were there all along and that, and that whoever you are, you can use those elements and form relationships with those elements that benefit you. That's excellent. Uh, what can fans of yours, uh, what can they expect from you next? And where can they find you online? Oh, I am so easy to find online because <laughs> it really is DebraLip.com. And I'm on Twitter and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about Twitter, but right now I'm still on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. Um, especially if you like pictures of my cat, I'm on Instagram, but not exclusively pictures of my cat. Cat pictures are very important though. Super important. I'm I'm on Facebook because I'm old, so I'm covering the old people market. Um, so I'm basically not hard to find. I have a bookshop, uh, bookshop.org slash Deborah Lip. Oh, excellent. Because um, I think that's what it is, but uh, because not everybody likes Amazon. Obviously, you can find my books on Amazon and, and everybody needs to know that your favorite authors appreciate Amazon reviews not just me, all of us, we need those. But if you don't want to give Jeff Bezos your money, I sympathize, go to bookshop.org or to your local bookseller. Um, so what's next? So 
This year, Bending the Binary and The Way of Four have come out, and very soon will be The Magic of the Elements, which is how to do spells using the four elements. It's a follow-up to The Way of Four. Um, In early 2024 will be an anniversary edition of Elements of Ritual, a fully revised, fully... um, updated and and that's actually super exciting um in part because it's driving me crazy so i was putting together the material for bending the binary i think and um i suddenly realized i was looking at the list of books that i had written and i suddenly realized that it was 20 years since i'd written elements of ritual and that seemed like oh maybe we could do an anniversary And boy, am I in over my head. But um, if you've been around the occult community for a long time, you have heard people say nasty things about Llewellyn. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they will say is that Llewellyn publishes crap and Llewellyn has no standards of, of accuracy or scholarship. And The fact is that Llewellyn Publications has worked very, very hard to overcome that negative reputation. They have some fantastic books. Well, so what's happening with the elements of ritual, what's on my desk right now is they want footnotes for everything. They're a fact in there that it can't be easily Googled. They want a source. They want a footnote. They want it, not Wikipedia, but a real source, um, and, and, and real verification that this is true, as well as um, a lot of the stuff that we were doing in Wicca 20 years ago, although I was trying very hard not to be culturally appropriative then. Um, and I you know, said some very clear things 20 years ago. I'm not a Native American. Don't try to stick Native American stuff in your Wicca without a qualified teacher. Nonetheless, we've become much more sensitive and much smarter about cultural appropriation. So I'm footnoting everything. Excellent. I make a statement that is um, because Llewellyn is, in fact, a very respectable publication publisher now. Oh, yeah. Uh, if I make a statement that is, that that isn't common knowledge and I can't find a source for it, it's it's leaving. Um, I'm going through and I'm cleaning out anything that smacks of cultural appropriation. And I'm making sure that Wicca stays Wicca and doesn't just piggyback on other traditions in, in, in ways that it has been uh, accused of in the past. And that although it wasn't something I personally did, I did treat it as sort of normative mm-hmm. 20 years ago. I, it wasn't like my practice, but I was t- speaking to a Wiccan world where that is what people were doing. Yeah, it's evolving so, with the times, and that's great. So I'm I'm really evolving this book and bringing it um, into the current day. You know, the gender stuff again. It, it was a very gender normative book. Yeah, which I didn't even realize until I was rereading it. Like, wow, <laughs> I need to fix that. That's one of the fascinating things going back and looking at you know what people used to write. I, I need to stop rewriting old books after this because the amount of cringe a human being can live through 
is a little, it's a little rough, but so, so those are my next two are the magic of the elements, which should come out this spring or summer. I don't have an exact date. And then early 2024, we're going to have the new edition of the elements of ritual. And then I don't know what I'm going to write next. Um, this summer is my 10th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. And, you know, we're do like, I'm trying, I need to like not write a book for a few minutes and put some attention into the milestones in my personal life. Oh, definitely. There's a time for rest. <laughs> and then, and then I think a new book will emerge when it's yeah. ready to. Well, thank you very much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Deborah's book, The Way of Four, and many of her other titles are published by Crossed Crow Books, and they're available directly from their website, or from wherever you normally buy your books. You'll find links on the episode page for this episode on our website, as usual. You'll also find all of my books available on our website at thefolklorepodcast.com. Christmas is coming. At least it is if you're listening to this around the time that it was released. So, why not grab a couple of titles as Christmas gifts? You can request personal messages from me in them, and if you order now, they should be with you in plenty of time to wrap for presents. Or, just buy them for yourself, and give everyone else a piece of coal. It's up to you. Head over to www.patreon.com slash thefolklorepodcast to support us for a little each month and to access extra content which you won't find on the main podcast feed. Your support is vital to keep us going as we head for Season 9. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with another episode very soon. See you then.